Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. So Richard, good morning. It is so good to have you here today. Thank you so very much. We certainly appreciate it. As you know, this is the uh, Morning with Joel CRE podcast, and we're very excited to have you here as a special guest of ours today. And uh, first of all, we want to offer our condolences, and we know you've had some personal losses as of late. I think you also lost another friend over this weekend. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I know you're going through it. So um, I do want to express our appreciation for you being here and also, um, you know, condolences for, for your losses there. So Thank you very much. Thank you so much, yeah. So, um, so just to uh, kind of jump in right quick, you know, you're senior vice president of one of the largest banks on the planet, and uh, it's pretty impressive. So let, let's go back a little bit in time and tell us how in the world did you even get to such a prestigious <laughs> position? <laughs> well, I, I took a tour, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest. So I'll go back to my days at, at Morehouse. So I graduated there from Morehouse in uh, 1995. And during that time, uh, we had a real estate institute at Morehouse, and it was it was headed by a gentleman by the name of uh, Alan Panato. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I was a finance major. And, and so during that time, you know, we, we were interviewing on campus for for various opportunities. And but, you know, back in those days, you know, commercial real estate companies just were not coming to HBCUs mm-hmm. to recruit. Right. So. Uh, what I ended up doing is interviewing for a job at a at a bank, which was uh, Wachovia Bank at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I interviewed and they offered me a position as a budget analyst over in, in operations. And so uh, I know I didn't want to do that. And and so, you know, I was a Fannie Mae scholar. So I was spending the summers in, in uh, Washington, D.C. at Fannie Mae. Uh, learning how to securitize mortgages and you know how they how they do those things, and so what I did is I waited until I got the letter from Wachovia Bank extending the offer, and so you know we didn't have nice technology like we do now, right? So I went I waited until I got the letter in the mail, I opened up the phone book, called the commercial real estate department at Wachovia Bank, and basically just leveraged that offer letter to you know, make my way over to commercial real estate. So what I ended up doing is talking to the person that became my boss and my manager and my friend. So that, so that's how I got started. So I started, you know, as a, as a credit analyst and, you know, got the formal credit training. And then I left there and went to work for Fulton County government in their real estate department. And so that was totally a different skill set uh, because I got away from finance altogether. So I learned how to value easements, know what a right of way is, what how to, you know, do, go through the condemnation process. So I learned real estate from a public entity perspective. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, and and, and, and what, you, what you'll probably hear me, you know, the common theme you're probably going to hear from me is it's all about relationships. So, so while I was at Fulton County, a guy I met his name, his name's Rod Tichy. Uh, I met him while I was in college. He came to speak to 
my uh, real estate finance uh, class one day. And so I was, you know, very interested and eager to learn, you know, real estate. So Rod and I, you know, developed a, a relationship which evolved into a friendship. But anyway, uh, he and I lost touch for a few years. And so he just so happened to be at Fulton County one day and came up into my department. And so we kind of reconnected. Hmm. And so I would say maybe a year after that, he called me and, you know, he, he said, Richard, I don't know what your situation is, but are you would you be interested in learning how to you know do real estate development? I'm like, sure. So he was working at the integral group over over there with uh, Egbert Perry. And so he brought me over there to the integral group. So I learned how to do real estate development from the from the ground up. And so uh, that was a fun job. So, you know, I, I learned everything from the site selection to the planning to the architecture, dealing with general contractors. And that job taught me what I didn't like about real estate. And so <laughs> so 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 what I realized is that I, I'm a straight finance guy. You know, I don't care about uh, architectures uh, or, you know, working with general contractors. I'm just just. I, I like the finance aspect of it. So uh, I worked at Integral for about four years. And actually, I was on my way to the University of South Carolina, uh, the Darlamore School of Business, to get my PhD in finance. Mm-hmm. And so as I was going through that process, I received a call from someone I used to work with at Wachovia Bank. They were at Bank of America. It was a job in what we call the private bank. And so basically that group, uh, the private bank, we basically deal with uh, specifically high net worth clients. And so we manage their assets. So never made it to University of South Carolina. I ended up going to, to Bank of America um, at working as a real estate investment manager at the bank. And so, you know, I was working with a lot of high net worth individuals, helping them construct real estate portfolios and helping them come up with the uh, investment strategy for it. And so I did that for actually 11 years. Wow. And so I left Bank of America in 2015 to uh, be the director of real estate at MARTA. So from 2015 to 2018, I was the director of real estate over at MARTA. So that was a, a, a great experience as well. It was a it was a great leadership role. I had the opportunity to go in and kind of help shore up shore up the real estate department, which was which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then you know uh, in 2018, you know because I you know had good relationships at B of A, you know a lot of the I had a lot of friends over there. And so the role that I'm in now, uh, the bank didn't have a presence in the affordable housing space. Or let me let me say it like this. It had been over 10 years since someone worked in that role at Bank of America. So I was asked to come back. And so I went back to B of A in 2018. And basically what I do now is is I provide debt and equity capital uh, to affordable housing developers. So a lot of those developers typically get uh, low-income housing tax credits to build these projects. And so what I would do is give uh, provide the construction loan. And I would also buy those t- tax credits, which forms the equity uh, in their in their deal. So so that that's that's my day job. And I'm also on the business school faculty at Morehouse College. So I teach real estate finance over there uh, and have been doing that for what, 14 years now. And uh, I'm also a CCIM instructor. So I'll actually be teaching a class here in a couple of weeks of uh, the financial analysis, the one on one class in a couple of weeks here in Atlanta. OK. All right. <clears throat> So you ain't sitting on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. 
No, nah, but it's it's a fun ride, though. I mean, you know, I I, I enjoy every aspect of what I do. Uh, I enjoy, you know, because to me, th- this is one of those industries where, you know, you, you can have fun doing what you're doing. And then you meet great people and establish great relationships. And then you have fun doing it, you know, with the people you, you, you know, you're doing deals with. So I, I find it very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that we we run in some of the same circles. I was just taking some notes of the things that you talked about. And uh, even LinkedIn has us connected because I started my career on uh, Wall Street at U.S. Trust, which mm-hmm. was bought by B of A. So, you know, yeah. it's just, just going back all those years even. But um, but I've got word that we've got to cut this a little short today. So we're certainly going to have you back. But uh, let me just ask you this. Then, uh, you know, what, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that minorities are facing getting into the uh, CRE space? And, and how do you think uh, we can help or Bank of America can help? Well, I, I, I think the, the the biggest challenge for us is is, is more or less exposure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's more and it's also uh, building building those relationships. And so, you know, I just give you an example of even in my teaching side at Morehouse. You know, we we have a finance department. You know, I told you we had a real estate institute years ago. That was back in the you know mid nineties. But the only real estate course that's offered at most at most HBCUs, if any, is a real estate finance course. Mm-hmm. So so I, I think it start there. And and you know, I've I've spent you know most of my time when I'm over there teaching. You know, not only teaching them the subject matter, but talking to them about the different career paths. In commercial real estate. So I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, building relationships early. You, you know, you know, kind of gave you my story about my relationship with Rod. You know, so I met him and I was actually sitting in the real estate finance class. I was a junior in college. So so I think if we if we could kind of shore up those two things and 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 I think also that this this commercial real estate industry. To me, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not a let me uh, do something today and see a, a reap a benefit tomorrow. I mean, maybe years down the road before you actually uh, see some fruits of that labor. But but I but I think we have to stay diligent. We have to stay uh, focused, and and we have to continue to expose our young people, and also you know people that are on on this call. You know, we need to continue to have these conversations about it, and and. And, and be selfless and point people in the directions in which they want to go. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. You know, one thing you brought up was uh, relationships. And um, it's amazing how, you know, for myself, being over 20 years in the game, over 25, uh, I look back and, and a lot of the folks that I'm connecting with now are people that I need to talk to moving forward, yep. right? But I didn't think that relationship was necessarily going to bear any fruit maybe 20 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you just don't know. It's good to keep in touch with folks, not burn bridges and uh, and continue to work those those connections. So, you know, that's, that's a very, very powerful point. Let me do this, because um, since we, we've got to end a little bit early today, what, what I'm going to do, if you don't mind, uh, for all of our guests that are here today, we'll stay on after Richard has to drop. And uh, I would like to hear from you guys as to uh, what things you would like to cover with Richard when he comes back. Um, what other things you would like for us to have on the show? and uh, other different topics in this regard that we can cover uh, in the remaining uh, 30 minutes or so as we go to 11. But um, Richard, let me let me open it up. Uh, well, first of all, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us that you want the, the next generation to know about as we uh, continue to, to educate here? Well, I, I, first of all, let me say, Joe, uh, th- thanks so much for having me on. And uh, 
you, you know, I, I really am looking forward to coming back and, and continuing the conversation because I think it's one that needs to be had on an ongoing basis. And, and, and we need to put in the work. We need to strategize and we need to help us all, you know, get to the next level. And, and like I say, expose that next generation uh, to this industry because we are so underrepresented. And so just to be, you know, amongst people like you, you know, it, it, it gives me, you know, some hope and, and, and I'm b- a very privileged to, to, to be able to work with you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Certainly appreciate that. So um, let's do this. I'm going to open up the lines. If you have any questions, uh, either put them in the chat or uh, if you can raise your virtual hand, that would be great too. And we'll be happy to, uh, to get those comments of anything that you have for Richard. And uh, while we're waiting on those um, coming in, let's talk a little bit about uh, deal structure. You mentioned that B of A will, uh, will do the uh, tax credits, you know, and, and buy those tax credits, like you said, becomes the equity in the deal for affordable mm-hmm. housing. Uh, right. Are there any limitations on where you would go or what, what the underwriting platform calls for? Uh, uh, no. Yeah. So so there, there's no limit, Joe, to, to where I go. I, I typically go, you know, wherever my clients go. So so if they if they decide they want to do something, you know, outside of Georgia, you know, I'll, I'll certainly certainly go there with them. But in terms of deal structure, though, uh, Joe, you know, one, one thing about it, these deals are very complex, you know, so so there there are. When you talk about capital structure, mm-hmm. there are so many layers to it. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, these deals typically have public-private partnerships. So, you know, Invest Atlanta's involved, Atlanta Housing's involved, mm-hmm. you know, the Beltline's involved, and then you have the Department of Community Affairs involved. So, so those are just four entities right there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I come in. So, so I have to, we have to make sure the deal pencils out from a standpoint of making sure the, you know, that we call it the debt coverage ratio. So that's basically making sure that that the deal generates enough uh, cash flow to service the debt. Yeah. Uh, and, and typically, you know, they they will. And then, you know, we also put from an underwriting standpoint, we also put what we call uh, completion cushions in place. We put uh, financial covenants in place just to, you know, make sure the bank's uh, risk is is somewhat mitigated uh, or, or the deal doesn't, is not overly risky. And also it helps, it helps the clients as well, because if, if we underwrite from a conservative perspective, you know, it, it helps them because those cushions do come into play, you know, as you move through uh, the development process. So, so they, I hadn't seen one that's been easy, Joe, to be honest with you, but they, <laughs> but, but they're fun, you know, that they're, they're fun to work on because you have to, it's really a collaboration between, you know, the public and the private sector to get those deals done. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time that every deal is like a fingerprint. You know, there, yeah. there is no identical deal. Right. Okay. Every deal you think is a slam dunk is not a slam dunk. Right. That's right. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> so that's, that's how it goes. But mm-hmm. um, so but let's let's dive a little bit deeper real quick. Just so our audience understands. And then we'll OK, you right answer one question we had in the chat box. The. Deal structure from the standpoint of like how much leverage will Bank of America generally do on an affordable housing deal? How much uh, equity do you or do you get involved in the equity stack from the GP and the LP side, or is it just the the debt piece that you're you're restricting and, and requiring capital yeah. on? You know, what type of covenants are you looking for for the developer as regards capital and assets on the, and assets? Um, so just some of the details related to that. Okay. Well, now, you know, that's that's the beautiful part about these deals. So so, you know, typically 
my, my typical deal is about, mm, about about 30 million, give or take. Right. And so the construction loan on that deal would be maybe anywhere between 18 and, and, and 20 million mm-hmm. or so. And so th- this is doing construction. Right. And so the construction process on those deals are normally anywhere between 18 to 30 months. And so basically what happens is with the tax credit equity, with invested Atlanta's funds, with DCA's funds, because they have they may have some what we call national housing trust funds in those deals. Mm-hmm. When that deal is when that deal gets ready to convert to permanent from a debt service standpoint, their loan to value is typically less than 50 percent. Mm-hmm. But, but, because, because you have those tax credits and all these other grant dollars that came into play. So I, I see that more often than not. But but I also have seen, you know, from an underwriting standpoint, the permanent lender, because that's the lender that actually take, take me out from a debt standpoint, they'll, I, they'll, they'll do, you know, about 80% loan to value. They'll underwrite to that. But those deals, typically, uh, the loan to value is a lot less. Yeah, yeah. So on the construction side, roughly... 50 to 60% leverage. Yeah. And I'm assuming Fannie Freddie comes in and generally takes those out. So, okay. All right. Sounds good. What what type of covenants are you generally looking for on the uh, developer? So typically what what we'll do is we'll look at, you know, we look at liquidity covenants, we look at net worth covenants, and we look at what we call contingent liabilities. And I walked through all three of those. So 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 let's say a $30 million deal. Just use it as an example. Okay. So that $30 million deal, I, I, I want to see about, you know, three million or more in liquidity. Uh, I want to see a net worth of about 20 million or so. And contingent liabilities, basically what what we're looking at there is what other projects do they have on the way that they're on the hook for? So so what we want to do is make sure that they're, you know, that they're not, you know, stretched too thin. So so we'll look at those three parameters. And then in the loan documents, we will place these covenants in there. You know, we'll say you got to, you know, have that three million dollars of liquidity, you know, for a period of time or and you got to maintain your net worth that, you know, that. $20, $30 $20, $30 million for a period of time. And, you know, your contingent liabilities can't exceed typically, you know, if, if it's a large developer, I mean, it's, 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 it's common to see contingent liabilities of, of, of $100 million, you know. And so what that means is they may have, I may be looking at this deal, but they may have four or five other projects going on somewhere else that, that are financed by, you know, different banks. But but what we want to do is make sure that's why that liquidity number comes is so important. But we want to make sure if there's a capital call on any of them, you you have the liquidity to keep going, keep going, and, and not put me in jeopardy, right? Right, yeah. right. exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Are we doing on time? Okay, Sabrina, uh, you had a question. Do you want to verbally ask it, or you want me to just read it off here? Give you a couple seconds to. All right. Well, let's just read it. It says, what kind of language is written into the contract that would protect the investor in these deals if there is a natural disaster that could delay the construction process? All right, good question. That's a great question. That's yeah, a great question. answer that, Richard. Yeah. So, so yes, there, there is language in, in, in the loan agreements that protect that, you know, we call that force majeure. And so, so that does protect the developer and the bank for that matter, you, you know, for, for any type of natural disasters that may, you know, negatively impact the project. But uh, yeah, we, we make sure, we make sure that's in there. 
Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, Richard, what can people expect to learn in your awesome upcoming class? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about, you know, uh, real estate finance. So uh, that 101 class is uh, is called financial analysis for, for commercial real estate investment. So yeah, the fundamentals we, class. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so we 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 talk about everything from market analysis to you know how to analyze a deal. We talk about you know the different methods with that we bring in the taxation piece of it. And so what what we actually at the end of the class what what we would have done is four things. We would have analyzed the deal uh before and after tax. We analyzed that same deal without debt and then what's the impact of leverage so you know it's, it's four days it'll be you know eight hours for four days so it's 32 hours but but you know it, it's jam-packed with a lot of information uh and, and it's a great course i i love teaching it and so somebody asked how could they sign up i think you can go to the georgia ccim's website and and register for the class there okay all right sounds real good sounds real good so well, we're at 1029, so uh, we're we're going to cut you loose. Uh, we certainly uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, everyone else, if you can stay on for a minute, that would be great. Uh, if you got to leave, we certainly understand that. But Richard, let's uh, let's try to get you back, maybe um, sometime in March. I think we're we're booked up until that time, or maybe April. But uh, we would certainly love to have you back, continue the conversation, and get a chance to go a little bit deeper. And uh, again, we apologize. Sorry for your losses. And um, appreciate you know, we, we understand why you got to cut things a little short today. I appreciate it. And thank you all for having me. And I look forward to coming back in March. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Right. Thank you again, Richard. All right. Y'all take care. Yep, have a good day. Right. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. This has been the uh, Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. We certainly appreciate having you here today. And we look forward to seeing you next week. You guys enjoy your week and have a great rest of your afternoon. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.